topic. So I'm really excited to be able to speak in this topic. And I'm just going to kick off straight away. I've got a picture to show you. So um, if they flick that up on the screen. This is a picture. You're like, where's she going with this? Just wait. This is a picture of um, my son's birthday party earlier in the year. So because I'm such a cool mum, you know when you say I'm a cool mum that you're not a cool mum. So anyway, I try. But we took Caleb and a couple of his mates to time zone and uh, they had a ball. But I was watching him play this game. Now, I don't know about you, but revealing my age, I grew up in the 80s and used to verse my brother on video games when I was younger and I always used to lose and it used to drive me crazy. Anybody experience that? Or am I alone here? Used to always lose and I got so frustrated I never wanted to play. And I, I watched my son play these games too and he has the same flaw that I have as to why I always lost and that is because I thought you could put your pedal down to the metal the whole time you could race on top speed and not smash into anything. Did anybody else do that? So I used to play these games and I would hold down that button and I would be going full throttle the whole way through the game and I'd be slamming into everything that was possibly in my way and unfortunately I'd lose and it was just such a point of frustration for me and you know as I I watch Caleb play these games, it reminds me of that situation. And the reason I say that is because that's actually how we live our lives now. We live at full steam, pedal to the metal, accelerator, full speed the whole time. And that's not how we're meant to live our lives. You know, today we are surrounded by people who are frazzled, people who are sick, people who are overwhelmed, people who lack satisfaction in life and people who are heading to burnout. And the reality is, is that our bodies were never designed to live pedal to the metal. We were never designed to run at such a hard pace, but that's how we're living today. So this morning, what if I told you there's a better way? There's another way to live. Would you be excited? Could you show me some excitement? Would you be excited if I said to you this morning, you don't actually have to live with your foot permanently stuck on the accelerator? You know, God in his immense wisdom provided a brake pedal for us. Isn't that excited? Excited? Isn't that exciting? So, you know, God in his wisdom gives us a brake pedal and it's really up to us as to whether we engage that brake pedal or we live with our foot permanently stuck on the accelerator. And Jesus addresses this topic of how we live so beautifully and I want us to read this and I, I'm purposely reading this from the message version because I love the way that it describes it and illustrates it. So let's flick that up on the screen. So this is Jesus speaking here and he says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who wants to live like that? That sounds appealing to me. That sounds healthy to me. 
So I want to encourage you this morning that it's okay to take a break. So in this context, Jesus is speaking to people who are trying to conform to the pattern or the, the culture or the message that was dictated to them at that time. <clears throat> this was the message they were pushing on these people. And ultimately, it was unsustainable. But that same message applies to us because the same pressures are put on us to live to a capacity that is unsustainable. So Jesus' words are so relevant to us today as they were back then. In this scripture, Jesus highlights this principle of rhythms of rest. Turn to the person next to you and say, rhythms of rest. You know, he's letting us know it's okay to take a break. You know, if anybody was ever so busy that they couldn't afford to take a break, it would have been Jesus. He had a big mission. He had a big purpose. And yet we find through Jesus' life an example of this rhythms of rest, this, this taking a break. So Jesus' life was not an example of a man who was frazzled, overwhelmed, exhausted, on the way to burnout. But he was, in fact, an example of someone who embraced this sense of rhythms of rest, purposeful in what he does, but taking a rest as well. So my heart for you this morning as I speak and as I share this word with you is that you'll grasp what is this biblical principle of rhythms of rest as valuable and important just as other biblical principles are. So you can work hard, you can play hard, but you can also rest hard. Does that sound good? You know, recently I was having another... I have a lot of conversations with my son. I, I've just spent too much time... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was having this conversation with him and I was doing the whole mum thing, you know, back in my day. Anybody done that? Guilty of that. But we were having this conversation of comparing technology now versus to technology when I was growing up. And, you know, <clears throat> my son is growing up in a world where he can access anything anytime he likes. And it's, it's constantly a point of debate in our house how often you're allowed to actually access that entertainment. But, you know, he can jump on a device, he can jump on a TV, and he can access anything he wants at any point of the day, if he was allowed to. <laughs> but it, for me growing up, and I'm trying to explain this to him, it wasn't like that. You know, we had certain times of the week when kids' shows were on, and if you missed those kids' shows, that was it. You know, Saturday mornings were pretty sacred, you know. You got to watch kids' shows. Very sacred moment. Um, and just explaining to him that, you know, if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to a video store. What's a video store? Long gone. But just explaining to him the differences between that. And, <clears throat> you know... I don't believe that those things that they're growing up in now is a bad thing. I actually really love those things and I think they're fantastic. But it is really symbolic, that, that difference there is really symbolic of what it's like to live in the 21st century. We're always on. Always on. And perhaps one of the downsides to this access to everything and the ability to always be on is that we've lost the ability to stop. 
we've lost the ability to rest. We've lost the ability to switch off. To unplug and to rest. It's like this stuff has amped up our lifestyles to a pace and to a speed that is unattainable. You know, and it puts on us expectations, whether they're self-imposed or from um, people around us, that fuel this need for us to be switched on all the time. You with me? Does anybody else experience that? You know, sometimes it just comes from ourselves and sometimes it comes from other, other things. But there is certainly this, this drive to always be on. And we start to unfortunately live our lives and even our spiritual journey as a series of 100-meter sprints rather than this long-distance journey that we're on. But because God is so amazing, is he amazing? God is so amazing, he knew in his wisdom that we would lose sight of the importance of resting. He knew that we would lose sight of the ability to stop. So he has a gift for us. So right from the beginning of creation, God sets in motion a gift for each and every one of us. He knows the limitations that our bodies have. He knows the limitations our minds have. And he knows the limitations our emotions have. And so therefore, he has a plan in place to, to give us the opportunity to enter into those rhythms of rest. And he set this in motion from the beginning. So at the beginning of the world, God was busy creating the earth. God was busy creating people, creating humanity forming and shaping the earth that we live in. And he did this with joy and with passion. But it's something interesting happens and it's so pivotal. And I think we miss it a lot of the times. But let's have a look at Genesis 2, two, two to 4. It says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God did this not because he needed a rest. God didn't need a rest. He did this to set in motion a pattern for us. Not a legalistic pattern, but a pattern for us to follow that work hard but have a rest. Work hard but have a rest. So God instigates this pattern for us to follow. And you see Jesus later, he follows this rhythm of rest in his life. So God provides, or actually, I've got a gift for you today. And I'm going to get the host just to hand out these gifts for you. Who likes a gift? Come on. So I've got this Kit Kat. Everyone gets a Kit Kat today. Did you know there's chocolates called Time Out? They don't make them in small size. It was pretty disappointing. But, so you get a Kit Kat today. And uh, Kit Kats have this slogan, which is what? Do you know it? Say it, can you say it louder? Take a break. So this Kit Kat that you get today is symbolic. 
representation to you. That God's gift to you is that you can take a break. He doesn't just say, you know, it's a good idea. He sets things in motion so that you know he's got this purpose in mind for you that you can work hard. You've got six days a week, you can work hard and then just take a break. This is a guilt-free invitation to have a rest. Who needs a guilt-free invitation to have a rest? Yeah, hallelujah, so do I. Um, So you can eat that right now if you want, like Clint is right now, just hoeing straight into it, or you can hold on to that, (laughs) sustain you for the rest of my message. (laughs) But I want you, now I want to kind of set in your mind every time you see a Kit Kat to remember, God's given me a guilt-free invitation to have a rest once a week. So in biblical terms, they would call this a Sabbath, okay? Isn't that a really cool word, Sabbath? So turn to the person next to you and say, Sabbath. And say it in a really cool voice, Sabbath. So a Sabbath simply means to take 24 hours out of your week and to stop and to rest, okay? And I'm going to unpack that a bit more in a moment, but, you know, us as people living in this 21st century really, really need to grasp hold of this gift and put it into practice to have a rest. It's actually a really healthy practice to do. But before I sort of, I'm going to unpack what a Sabbath might look like to you in a moment. But before I do that, I just want to highlight that there are other rhythms of rest that are open to you. So if you just flick to the next screen, this is what I encourage you. If you were to adopt a lifestyle of having rhythms of rest, you can have daily rhythms of rest. And these daily moments are pockets in time throughout your day where you actually stop, you take a moment, you connect with your creator and you rest. Be refreshed by God in that moment. The other one is weekly, which is our Sabbath, which is 24 hours where you're allowed to just stop working. And the third one is what I like to call pit stops. So I want to encourage each and every one of you to take your annual leave each year and have a rest. Now, the way we do it in our family is sometimes we're great at this, sometimes we're not. We're definitely getting better at this. And this year, we've really seen the benefits of it in terms of, you know, we have a lot going on in our lifestyle, but we make sure that there's four points in the year that we stop as a family and connect and rest together. And so for us, we book out at the start of the year four four times. So we go away for either a week or two um, and then we have three weekends where we go away as a family and just hang out. And it's been such an important thing to me. So I encourage you that you can have, you guys are on the wrong slide by the way, Um, you can have these three rhythms of rest, daily, weekly and pit stops throughout the year. And these are going to help you So the fantastic thing is that God wants you to have a break. It's his encouragement to you to do that. 
So Peter Schizzaro, who was the author of the book, or the actual, there's a whole series of emotionally healthy spirituality, um, breaks the Sabbath. So if we look at the Sabbath, he breaks the Sabbath down into these four categories. Okay, so if you're like, a Sabbath, isn't that just what the Old Testament people did and that's just completely irrelevant to my life? Well, I want to encourage you today, it's not irrelevant to your life and you can actually make it work. And let's have a look at these four things that you can do, even though you've already seen them. Let's have a look. The first one is stop. You know, there's always something to do. There will never be a time when there's nothing to do. But you can stop anyway. And in fact, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. There will always be something to do. But God says stop anyway. The second thing he pulls up is rest. You know, so in a Sabbath, you actually need to stop for 24 hours. When that is, it doesn't matter. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Then rest. What feeds your soul? What are the things that feed your soul? So what causes you to feel rested and relaxed? I know for Brad, I'm going to pick on him. (laughs) I only partly told him what I was going to say. Um, But for Brad, on the weekend, he likes to potter in our garden, right? And it is, I've learned to accept it because I know how important it is to him. But every weekend he has to have this time where he goes out into the garden and he spends quite a bit of time out in the garden doing this and that. And you would think for the amount of time that he spends out there that we would have the most amazing garden. Like you would think it'd be like pretty manicured, pretty spot on. But it's not. (laughs) But I know for him... That's what refreshes him, just pottering around out there. And I've seen him when he hasn't had that opportunity over the weekend and I'm like, you need to go out in the garden. Um, But that's what feeds his soul. For me, that doesn't really float my boat, you know. For me, I want to sit in the sunshine. And lately, because hallelujah, the sun has come out again, there's plenty of times where I actually just lie on my back lawn and let the kids play around me and just shove food at them. But I just soak up the sunshine and lie on the grass. And for me, that is just refreshing for my soul. Watching a movie, when it's not a kid's movie, um, you know, for me, that's what floats my boat. Going to a cafe and having a cake and a cuppa. They're the things that refresh my soul. What if I was to tell you that's, that's part of a Sabbath? They're the things that you can do. What is it that makes you feel restful? That's what you do on a Sabbath. The other thing he says is delight engage your senses. So God has given us these five senses. In this 24 hours period, you're encouraged to actually stop, you know, smell the fresh air, taste the food. How often do we just like, just shovel that food down? But, you know, during that time, delight in the things that are around you. You know, for you, it might be having some fun. Do you know, in your Sabbath, you can go kick a ball around. If that's, what, if that's what you enjoy, if you like going canoeing, go canoeing. What do you delight in? How can you connect with God's creation and delight in what he's given you? And the fourth thing is contemplate. And that's where you can connect with God on a personal level. Actually take time to stop yourself, to listen, not always speak, but listen to what God is saying to you. Does that sound easy? That actually sounds fun, doesn't it? Who doesn't want to 
just go and have 24 hours to do whatever you want, have fun. I think it sounds amazing. Can you stop for a moment and think, how different would your life be right now if you actually put that into practice? How different would your life be if you took that gift that God has given you and put that into practice? I can guarantee that it would be pretty fantastic. But I also know immediately into your brain is popping all the reasons why you can't do that. Is that right? I knew you'd say that. So I've come up with some common roadblocks that might pop into your mind as to why that's actually not doable for you. And the first one that might jump into our minds is that it's literally impossible to stop for 24 hours. I mean, how can I possibly waste that 24-hour time? What happens if I don't get that stuff done? And then tomorrow, that list is just going to get bigger because I've still got to do all that stuff, so I'm just putting it off for another day. These are immediately the things that pop into our mind. And I like to call this the, the world will end. The world will end if we stop for 24 hours. But the reality is, no, the world will not end without you. It will continue to click along without you for those 24 hours. However, it does require you to have a bit of preparation and to plan ahead. So, for example, if you've got anything urgent to do, you've got six days, get that stuff done. You know, if you've got bills to pay, get it paid before that 24-hour time slot. If you've got to have an immaculate house, clean it before that 24-hour time for Would it matter if you ate beans on toast for that 24 hours? Would it matter if you fed your kids toasties because you don't want to cook a meal that day because you're resting? Or could you prep a meal the day before so all you have to do is heat it up? It really just comes down to preparation. Doesn't matter if your house is a mess. I can tell you, you do not want to visit my house right now. It is a bomb site. But that's okay because we have just had, we've, I'm starting to practice this in our family and we're, we're getting there. We're not so fantastic. I'd love to stand up here and be, I'm the poster person for a Sabbath and we, every week we have this amazing 24 hours where it's just bliss. I'm not there yet, but I'm giving it a go. And my house is a mess. Now, another roadblock you might encounter, I call this one jittery. You just get jittery, okay? Because we are (laughs) predisposed, thank you, Joel, to, you know, be on the go all the time, to be checking our phones all the time. I don't know about you, I'm terrible at this. If I'm just sitting there, I've got two sacks, I'll just turn my phone on, because why not? You know, and the ability to stop is actually a skill that is developed, It's not necessarily a natural skill that we have, but it's something that's developed. And so the idea of stopping for 20 hours, we just get a bit jittery. It's like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself, you know. But it's like a muscle. You have to actually work that muscle to get it engaged and to get practice at it. You know, for my personality, I don't know about you, but I'm a doer. Like, I like to be busy. I like to do things. I'm not really one that just likes sitting around. I'm like, what can I do? I need something to do. Let me do it. So, for me, this is a real challenge. Unless I'm watching a movie, (laughs) then I'm jittery, okay? So, that's a roadblock for me. 
But it's like a muscle. You've got to practice. You've actually got to do it in order for it to, get, to become less of a distraction for you. And another roadblock I think that suddenly pops into our mind or is a discouragement for us is that often we see busyness as a badge of honour. If I'm busy, I must be important. And it feeds this sense of purpose in us. It, you know, it adds value to our life to be busy. We feel like we're accomplishing things. We're indispensable. But unfortunately, that's just not true. You know, being busy is actually not a healthy thing. But one thing I, I wanted to highlight here is that you know, different people have different capacities and it's really important that we don't compare ourselves to the people around us because someone over here might have a capacity to achieve and do a lot and a person over here might have a certain capacity and that's their limits. And it's really important that we know our capacities and know our limits and don't compare ourselves to one another because our value doesn't come from our busyness. Our value comes from God. Yeah? So you can, you can expect that if you're going to adopt this lifestyle that embraces God's rhythms of rest and choosing not to live with your pedal full steam to the metal, that some of these attitudes are going to pop up in your heart and in your mind and they're going to need to be addressed. And it's a good opportunity to say, oh, what, what is fueling that in me? And be willing to work through that with God. But the fantastic news this morning is that by embracing this gift, Jesus said you'll recover life. The good news is that your life will be much more sustainable. It will be much more rhythm-based. You're going to be able to engage in more meaningful relationships with those around you. You're going to be able to engage in much more meaningful relationship with God because you're not so overwhelmed, you're not so frazzled, you're not so exhausted. Your time with God is going to become deeper and richer when you embrace this gift. So I want you to take a moment right now. I want you to close your eyes and I want you just to ponder what your life would look like. How different would things be? If you took this gift, this free, guilt-free gift of 24 hours a week to just chill. God encourages this. Can you stop? Can you rest? Can you delight? And can you contemplate? How much more satisfied would you be? How much more relaxed would you be? How much more fun would you have? And how much richer would your relationships be?